Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Father in heaven for your anointing. Speak to us, Lord God. Let us be filled with your word and let us fall in love with you once again this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Hallelujah. So this morning, I'm very excited to be speaking from Psalm 23. Praise God. So why don't you open up your Bibles and let's just read it together. I'm reading from the New King James Version. With my glasses on, darling, it helps. Yeah, you bring them up to the stage? You're in denial, okay. Um, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. (laughs) So beautiful. What a beautiful, beautiful psalm. What beautiful words. Possibly the most well-known of all the Psalms and written 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. Imagine that. By King David in Israel. And think of all the millions of people that has blessed those words. It's incredible, isn't it? Think of all those ancient Jews reading that Psalm and going, wow, David. That's beautiful. And here we are today, still reading the same psalm. It's amazing. How good is God? So let's just go deeper in straight away. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Now David was a shepherd to start with, the youngest son. And he was given this job because it was a lowly job. It was unpleasant out there in the fields, hot, cold, dangerous, Lions and bears and all sorts of creatures that could want to eat your sheep. And David knew that it was a lowly job. He's so lowly, in fact, that he wasn't even called in to be represented as one of the sons when Samuel was looking for a king. It was like, David, what the guy out there looking after the sheep. So David began as a shepherd and he amazingly had this revelation too that the Lord, that God is our true shepherd which is beautiful in itself. I mean, how many of you would have the confidence to say, yeah, the, the Lord is, is a lawnmower like me. The Lord, is a, the Lord is a machinist. The Lord is a, you know, a dentist like me. Like we don't, 
we kind of don't think of the Lord in terms of our profession, you know, we sort of think, no, I am a lowly dentist or whatever and he is a, he's God. But David understood that the Lord is our true shepherd. He is someone that genuinely lowers himself to care for us. And in fact, this work was completed in Jesus, who is known as the good shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus also, he also referred himself to himself as the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. And so here we have God and Jesus humbly allowing themselves to be known as our shepherd looking after us. So beautiful. And what that means is that we are sheep. So unless we allow him ourselves, unless we sort of humble ourselves and and understand who we are, dependent, apt to wander, some might even say a a little stupid at times, sheep. Unless we recognise that, then he won't be a good shepherd for us, will he? Because the Bible's full of animals. So we've got goats, and Jesus makes a point of making a distinguishing mark between sheep and goats. We don't want to be a goat, a stubborn goat, you know, maybe a railway goat. <laughs> but um, we don't want to be a goat. We certainly don't want to be wolves dressed like sheep which the Bible also speaks about, like people who are deceptive and difficult and weird and who are pretending to be sheep. That would be awful. Or dogs. Jesus speaks about some people being dogs. And um, we don't want to be dogs who are stealing from church and, and, you know, eating the, the bread. What's that? Well, I mean, oh, my goodness. Your dog, Hudson. So... We have our lovely guests. Where are they? They're gone. There they are. Okay. We have our lovely guests visiting us, and I didn't have time to cook the meal. So um, I thought I'd just make them a nice dessert. So I spent quite some time making some nice cookies and a beautiful chocolate cake. And I really put effort into that cake, and I made a good cake. And while we were out to dinner, my son rings us, Keelan rings us, and I think, well, it must be an emergency. He knows we're out for dinner. So what? He goes, Mum. The dog ate the cake and went, what? The dog undid the latch on the back door. One dog undoes the latch, opens the door. I'm not even kidding. He opens the door. The other dog comes in, jumps up onto the kitchen bench, pulls the the, the tin. It was still in the tin, pulls it down and eats the whole cake. Can you believe that? Stupid. I was just like, I was really ticked off actually, like... That rotten dog, like fancy. I've got the door shut. It's not like the door's open. Honestly, do not be like that annoying dog that just takes things that don't belong to you. Honestly, I'm really annoyed. Actually, I beat him because I went, I was sitting there. I was a little bit lost for a while in the conversation because I was just, rotten dog. How dare he t- eat the whole cake? Like I spent time on that. Anyway, I sat there and I went, I'm going to make it again. I'm just going to go home. I thought, I think I've got everything. I think I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And I got home and everyone was like, it's okay, really, it's okay. You don't have to. I'm like, I'm making the cake again. They were like, it's kind of getting late. Like, we're all going to go to bed. And I'm like, nope, making the cake again. So I just went, like a machine, I made that cake again. And kept it away from the dog. Anyway, that's a random story. But don't be like that dog. And also don't be like a snake. Jesus spoke about some people being snake. We are sheep. 
Okay, we are sheep. We're humble. We're simple. We don't steal people's cakes. And we need a shepherd. And, you know, Jesus says the Lord is my shepherd. He's my personal shepherd. It's relationship. I love that he's my shepherd. Jesus, John 10, 27 said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me because we know him. He's my shepherd. I know the voice of my shepherd. I know his voice. I have a relationship with him. He's not just some random shepherd. He's not just some general shepherd and I'm just like one of the thousand, like, you know, in Australia, like there's millions of sheep and he doesn't know me. I'm just one. No, no, no. He is my shepherd. They didn't have so many sheep in their flocks back in the day. So he ultimately is the one that looks after us. And let me say to you, you know, in life, everyone lets us down. <laughs> they don't mean to. But, you know, our mothers and fathers let us down. They move. They die. They don't get it, you know. Our friends let us down. And, you know, even our pastors let us down. They retire. You know, what's, what's with that? They they sometimes are just not there for us, let's face it. They're, they're busy, they're not there for us, whatever. They let us down. But the Lord is my shepherd. And you know, shepherd is the exact same word for pastor. In some languages, it is actually the same. In Russian, the word for pastor is shepherd. So you actually say, you don't say Pastor Ruth, you say Shepherd Ruth. It's the exact same word because that's the concept. And so we need to know that we, we need to be able to go directly to God because everyone else will let us down. Or leave. I remember once speaking to a wise old man and I was younger and I thought, and I was interested in this concept of pastors and submission and I thought, well, he was, he was like 80, a beautiful old man of God. And I, I wanted to ask him. So I actually went up to him and I said, so who is your pastor? Because I thought, when you're 80, like, what do you do? Like, there's no one kind of older and wiser than you. Do you know what I'm saying? If you've been around for a while. And he just looked at me and smiled and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And I was like, oh beautiful like I'm sure he was submitting to his the young you know 30 year old that had taken over his church or whatever but you know and and that guy's organizing it but there comes a point where the Lord has to be my shepherd so make sure he is make sure you know him like that because listen the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he supplies everything I need that's what it means it's an old-fashioned word it's like we still have desires but it's not like a lack it's not he provides, as we've heard this morning. He provides, what was it, a lawn clipper thing? I don't even know the name of it. A hedge trimmer. I mean, he provides a hedge trimmer? Come on, like a hedge trimmer? How good is God? Like a hedge trimmer. He just is so sweet. He goes, I just pop a hedge trimmer here for Caleb. He wants one. He probably sent the angels and they're going, a hedge trimmer? I go, yep, everything. I provide everything for my children. So all our physical needs, food, clothing, home, hedge trimmers, basic needs, all provided. He provides my emotional needs, my spiritual needs, my relational needs. I don't need to I don't need to try and be in with the in crowd. I don't need to try and make more friends. I just need to trust. No. The Lord provides my needs. And again, if my friends let me down and all friends let you down sometimes, I just go to the Lord. I can remember when I was first into bird watching, and I used to try and tell Chris about it and he was really bored. And I knew he was bored because 
It was very obvious he was bored. And I loved my bird. I was like, babe, I've just seen this amazing bird. And it did this and he was just like, his eyes would glaze over. <laughs> and uh, I just remember thinking, you're really bored, aren't you? And he's like, no, no, no. Anyway, I gave up telling Chris about the birds and I told the Lord. And the Lord and I have great times bird watching together. And I would go and tell God, oh God, thank you, you know, for that beautiful region, Balbo, that was amazing. And the Lord loves to hear about birds because he made the birds. And he, he, <laughs> no, he loves the birds. He does love, he made them. Why do you think he gave them so many colours? Why did God make birds so fascinating? What is the point? He made them with an amazing array of colours to bless us. <laughs> Christopher, stop it. You're ruining my message. So bad. You are so naughty. Anyway, um, so, you know, he listens to us when no one else wants to listen to you. You need to know how to actually be in a place with God where you feel satisfied talking to God. Are you somebody that is only satisfied if you're talking to a human being? Like if you have news to share, you know, we all have someone we want to ring and that's fine. Like, oh, I've got to tell, guess what? Da, 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 da. We should all have somebody that we want to share with, right? But sometimes that person isn't there or, or whatever. Would you actually find it satisfying to tell the Lord? Could you actually go, I'm just going to tell you, God. And he's like, oh, that's so exciting. Can you say truly that you're in that place? Because that's what it means. He's my shepherd. He loves listening to me. He's interested in what I need. And so he, you know, whether it's physical needs like this or spiritual needs, they are all met in him. And so we are in this place of contentment. Because what more? We, we don't need anything else. I, my, my physical needs are met. My spiritual needs are met. My emotional needs are all met in him. If you don't meet them in him, you won't be content. Because you know why? He's a jealous God. He doesn't want you to be. You will never, ever find true contentment in life if you're looking for it in stuff or in people. You'll always feel like, oh, they don't do this for me. It's not good enough. They, no. You'll complain about your people and your church because they won't ever do it. They'll ne he won't let them because it's like, come to me, come to me, come to me. As soon as you go to him, it doesn't matter about, you know, the imperfect churches and the imperfect friends. It's like, oh, that's okay. You can be gracious. Contentment is one of the marks of an outstanding Christian. So find that place of contentment in your shepherd. Verse 2 and 3, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. So there we have the feeding, green pastures. Well, if you're a sheep, you love fresh green grass. And he will show you those places. He doesn't, he, lay, he, he leads you there gently. That word leads me beside the still waters is actually a gentle, it's like guide. It's a gentle Hebrew word. He doesn't force us to lie down in grass. Some people think that means he makes me, forces me. That's just a, a quirk of the English language. He causeth, maketh, means he lays me down. So he finds the best place for us to go and he lays you there gently. Hey, come here. This is the place for you. He finds our perfect place. And be sure that you know where that place is because that place is where you get fed. That, that church, those friends, your people, know your place. 
because that he's led you there and he has a place for you. He really does. He has a lovely place where you will be fed, where you hear the word of God. And it's a place that is, I mean, sometimes it is a physical place, but often it's, a, of, of course, we understand it spiritually. It's a, it's a church or it's the word of God or it's a particular scripture just for you. He wants to feed you and so your soul is full. And he causes you to find that place. He leads you beside still waters. I love that. So recently uh, we went to Threadbow and um, the boys wanted to go mountain bike riding and go charging down the mountains on their mountain bikes. So we went there for a couple of days with, with Luke and my husband and Shelley. And uh, it was lovely, you know, Threadbow in the summer. It's so pretty. And uh, while the boys were charging down the mountain, Shelley and I, we did a little bit of that but not much, but we, we went up the chairlift and then went walking in the, the meadows right near Mount Kosciuszko up high. And it's so beautiful. And there's these mountain streams and as I looked at the mountain streams, I started to think about this scripture and I went, is the word actually still? Because these ones were just bubbling and they were crystal, crystal clear. Because of course they're at the top of the mountain, nothing's touched them yet. And I looked up that word and still is one way of looking at it, but they're peaceful waters, they're bubbling waters. And I've never been a big fan of rivers because Australian rivers are kind of muddy and deep and dangerous and flooding and I'm like okay rivers but when you see these crystal clear mountain streams I'm like ah that's what he's talking about this is where he leads me and it was sweet because I felt like he actually was leading me besides still waters like these crystal mountain clear streams in Threadbow and he he gave me a beautiful place because you know, it was so lovely. And sometimes the Lord does this. He actually leads us to a place. It was so lovely up there. And the chairlift. I mean, I've been skiing in the winter and, you know, you stand for 20 minutes to get onto it and it's like, it's really cold up there. It's a nice view, but a bit cold. But there was no queue. And it was a fabulous, fabulous view on the chairlift. And I just went, I really like this chairlift. I mean, this is good. The weather was beautiful. I'm watching all these foolish young men go charging down the thing and having terrible accidents and whatever and I'm just sitting on the chairlift like ah, oh, and I just I'm telling you I just couldn't get off that chairlift because I'd paid for the whole day so I just kept going round and round I mean I really did I went around and around that chairlift five times five times I just couldn't get off it and, and then Shelly we went down twice then we had lunch with the others then she said well I'll go back to the room I went I, I think I might go on the chairlift again the woman was getting to know me because when I got to the top, I didn't even bother getting off in the end. I just went, I'm just going round again. She's like, okay, just go round. But the thing is, I was sitting on the chairlift and, and I was thinking about this psalm. That's how I knew the Lord wanted me to speak about this psalm. And not only was I in a beautiful physical place of just sitting in the chairlift, like they're so cool. You've got the view, you've got the sun, you're all alone. Oh, so good. And then, um, and then I was just meditating on this psalm. Over and over and over again, I let every word sink into me and I'm just, I'm getting fed. And he, he was feeding me green pastures. It was so wonderful in every way because I had green pastures, I had bubbling clear waters and I was full of the word of God. It was all coming together in this amazing harmony. So, and then it says, he leads me beside these still waters, he restores my soul. And that's what he does. You know, so you can't always go to Threadbow on a chairlift, but even in your bedroom, you can still meditate on the Word of God and look out the window. And your soul is just like, 
oh, I feel fantastic. We should be feeling fantastic after you've been with God. I mean, you know, he is the ultimate restorer. We used to restore old bits of furniture when we were first married, you know, get them off the side of the road and we've still got some, we've literally still got some of those pieces and we would bring them back and then paint them back up again. Imagine what God does to your soul. You think my soul is so tired and old and I've got bits of paint and mess and goo and I'm just like, he just like, right, let's, let's sand it back a bit. Ow, God. It's like, no, 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 be good, be good. Sand it back and bring you back to a beautiful place. I love that. And of course, he restores our soul initially in salvation. If you've never accepted Jesus as your saviour, you know, and you're still sort of struggling with the stain of sin, you need to know what it means to allow him to come into your heart and start all over again in your heart. That's the best. So we need to be born again and have that initial restoration, but then the daily the daily restoration, just every day, just refresh, restart, new day, exciting. You know, I read a story about a, um, a great book actually about a shepherd who was also a Christian and he uh, was writing all about sheep and he said sometimes when sheep get really heavy, either because they've got a lot of wool or overweight or they're pregnant, they can lose their centre of gravity and end up on their back. And it's called a cast sheep. And if a sheep is cast, it will die. Can't get up again. And in hot weather, that could be hours. In cooler weather, it can be days. And they're picked off by predators. So a good shepherd has to keep his eye out for a sheep that's cast. And I just thought, isn't, I can just see, isn't that like us? Like some of us just on our back like, oh, help. We just can't. It's like, I can't get up, I can't get up. And we just feel so heavy and down that we're just like a cast sheep, aren't we? We've all had those moments. We think, Ruth, I know you say I've got to read the Bible and pray and be a good Christian, but I'm like, ah. (laughs) But God is good because if you feel like you're a cast sheep, you're on your back, you know what he does? He restores you. He goes, come on. And even when you lift them up, I, sh- I looked at a video, it's really funny. Even when you lift them up, they go, whoa, 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 and they just fall over again. So they have to, he has to lift them up, put them on their feet, and then just hold them for a while. And they go, oh, okay, okay. That's us sometimes. He's so good. He restores our soul. 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Day by day, he restores our soul. Verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So now we're getting a little stronger. And the word lead there is a different lead in Hebrew from the other word. He leads me beside the still waters. One's like, come and rest. Come and be restored. Come. Ah. And now we're getting a bit stronger. It's like, okay. Okay, enough rest. Are we, are we good? There's time, you know, time to get out of the bath. Has anyone ever had that thing where you, when <laughs> you get in the bath, you go, oh, this is great. I'm loving this. You've got a book, you know, maybe a little bit of chocolate. I'm just going to lie in the bath. And then after a while, the bath goes cold. Your skin goes wrinkly. Time to get out of the bath, okay? So we can't stay, we can't stay in the chairlift forever. You've got to get off the chairlift. You've got to come back into the real world, you know? So Spurgeon says it like this, as he, as he does, the master. He is not the wisest disciple who tries to make the Mount of Transfiguration the abiding place for himself and his Lord. 
We have those moments, but then we've got to get on with it. And he leads me in paths of righteousness. So what this means is he shows me how to be good. He's teaching me. He's moving us. Sheep need to be moved from pasture to pasture. I did not know that because they stay in one pasture, they they overgraze and they get infested with certain parasites. So we have to keep moving. If you're just staying still in your Christian walk, you're going to get infested with bad attitudes and like, well, nothing's going on here. Well, maybe there's, maybe there's nothing going on with you because he's moving you always. I can remember coming to a charismatic church and hearing about spiritual gifts and I was like, no, whoa, I was really uncomfortable actually when I first came. I was, a, I was just a good little Anglican girl. I mean, we didn't do that kind of stuff. That was creepy. So then when I went to a Pentecostal like church like this, I was actually scared. I actually was. But I just felt like there's something good going on here. There's something I want. I don't know how. I'm a bit nervous of it. I think I'll avoid the, the spiritual gifts thing. But you know, eventually I, I was led in paths of righteousness. So you know, we rest in order to, to go on those paths. And he's showing us you know, how, to, how to love, how to serve. What does it look like when you serve God in church? He's showing us how to, how to have a good temper, how to rejoice, how to be a, a better wife, a better husband. He's constantly leading us, partly by sometimes testing us with irritating people. <laughs> it's a great way to learn how to be forgiving, isn't it? Or a difficult situation. When we were in Russia, I just used to, I, I wanted to complain so badly because life was so hard and so disgusting so often. It was just it was horrible. It's all very well, you know, oh, there were missionaries in Russia. How exciting. It's like, yeah, it's exciting for like two weeks. And then it's annoying because it was, I mean, we didn't even have enough food, you know. It was annoying. I had children. It was like, I just, I can remember sometimes going, I hate this place. I honestly, I didn't, well, I probably did say it. Did I say it to you? I can't remember. I'm just like, I hate this place. It stinks. It's disgusting. It's ugly. Everyone's, it's just like, ugh, I hated living there sometimes so badly. And uh, I mean, I love the ministry, don't get me wrong, I love the Russian people and the ministry was fantastic. The lifestyle was the worst. And so I would feel this complaint rise up in me like a black cloud and I just wanted to spew it out over everyone around. I tried not to say it to the Russians because that is not nice to tell them you hate their country. But you know, I, I did. I mean, they even found it hard at that time. It was a difficult time in Russia. Um, probably is now again too, knowing Russia. But you, I just had to, it was, I just went, I have got to learn to stop complaining. I've got to learn to stop complaining because if I don't learn to stop complaining, I will always complain. There's always something bad in life. And I just had to stop it. I just had to go, no. It was like, I'm not going to say it. And learn to rejoice and thank God instead. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Let him lead. Follow him. Learn the lessons. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, you, now he's saying you. It was he before and now it's getting really personal. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. <laughs> How many dying saints have been so comforted and strengthened by these beautiful words? I mean, I, I have read them myself to dying people and they respond. And on that, the last thing to go is hearing. Okay, so if you're ever with someone who's dying, speak the word of God to them because they can hear you. And I know because a few of the times when I'm with someone 
and they're just they're almost gone and I'll sing to them or say this scripture and I go do you want it more and and I remember one guy with supreme effort went, like he could barely let it out but I went oh he wants me to keep going he can hear me so you know read this this is a I read this to my grandmother Doris Jamison when she died and it was the last thing I hoped that she heard on earth so life goes through some dark shadows one of which being death and or sometimes it can be other dark shadows like sickness or betrayal or loss some tough times there are tough times and we need to know that we are with God he's it's I will fear no evil it's going to be okay I'm going to get through I'm going to get through this because he's my shepherd he knows that this is the way through and it says his your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So that rod, you know, that they had a, a rod with a, a kind of a clubby thing on the end. And they could throw that at an enemy and knock them out. Um, so that's protection. It's like, God, I, I don't know if I'm going to get through this. You know, this is hard. It's hard for my heart. But it's like God's protecting us. And it's a shadow of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It's only a shadow. No one's afraid of shadows. Like God will protect us ultimately from evil. He will keep us close. If we stay close to him, it'll be okay. You know, it will get through. We, just, we will get through. Just keep going with him. Don't run away from him. Whatever you do, he's the one that will keep us safe from real danger. The real danger is us falling away or believing the devil's lies or, you know, just giving up. He'll protect us. And so there's comfort with his rod and his staff, you know, those beautiful shepherd's staff they have with a hook at the end. So, you know, if the, the lamb, he walks off a bit, he just, he can just pull you close. He's so good. He's so lovely. So Jesus said in John 10, 18, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If we have stayed close to Jesus, he will protect us. In the darkest times, he will comfort us. He will protect us. He will be with us. I love the story that I read recently. Um, it was actually on a podcast. I heard it. Uh, Linda Dalton shared it about a woman who had gone through one of these life tragedies. She was in this dark place and she was in desperate need of help. She was really struggling at night. And so she called a helpline. She just didn't know where else to, to go. And uh, it was 4am in the morning and she got onto this gentleman at the end of the phone and she just poured her heart out to him, as you do sometimes. And he just listened and he just comforted her. He didn't say a lot. And, uh, and when she really felt that heard, which is sometimes all we need, isn't it? Just someone to love us. She thanked him and she asked him if he had any sort of comment to make from the organisation. You know, if there's, do you want me to help? Is there anything I can, you know, for your organisation or your support or whatever? And he said, well, no, actually you rang the wrong number. <laughs> I just love that story. So at four o'clock in the morning, this all go, whoa, whoa, the phone's ringing. And he picks up the phone and, okay, hello. And this woman just pours out a whole heart to him and he just thinks, she just needs a good ear. And he just listened to her for ages and it was completely random stranger but um, she said that his kindness had such a massive impact on her that 
this stranger was so kind to her. It was actually better than the organisation. And so, you know, that's the sort of thing that the Lord does. I mean, he might provide hedge clippers, but how much better to provide a loving friend when we need someone or a stranger even or a word or a message or something. He, he will, you know, that's the staff just like, here, let me give you this. And he pulls things in that we need. So he comforts us. He's so good. And then finally, in verse 5 and 6, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So we do have enemies in the midst of all of this, but we have a table. I mean, it's such an amazing image. Imagine going off to war and there's the Germans over there. Sorry, guys, you know, but we did have a war with you if you're German. But, you know, they're in the Second World. Imagine that. The Germans here and there's the Allies here and someone just sets up this beautiful table with, you know, the silver and the white in the middle of all that mud. You'd be like, what? It's such a strange image in the middle of warfare. But that's what God does in the middle of this crazy life where it's like, oh, it's all happening and I've got this stuff going on and God's like, come over here, let's just sit and enjoy each other. And he's like, you're like, okay, how is this happening, God? Why do I feel so blessed and refreshed? Why have I got such beauty in the midst? It's amazing. And that happens. There are times in life you're like, I don't understand why in the midst of all of this, I feel so good with God. In fact, I even remember once somebody, we were going through a period where we had a massive attack against us personally and this church and uh, we had all sorts of lies being told about us and um, and I was having such a lovely time with the Lord. I was at this table and I remember someone said, how do you feel? And I just thought, well, I'm going to be honest here. I just feel blessed. And they look blessed and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, I think they, I don't know what they thought, but I was blessed because he prepares a table before us. And that's the table we need to find. And so um, Spurgeon again says this, To the Christian man, in spite of all the tumult, life is a festal banquet. There stand the enemies, ringing him round with cruel eyes, waiting to be let slip upon him like eager dogs. But for all that, here is a spread in the table in the wilderness, made ready by invisible hands, and the grim-eyed foe is held back in the leash till the servant of God has fed and been strengthened. This is our condition. Always the foe, always the table. (laughs) Oh, to be able to write like him. Praise God. There is a table. There is oil. You anoint my head with oil, which is like the beautiful perfume. You know, that it, that the, it's like beautiful we, we, oil on our head is a slightly unusual image now. But if you think of, you know, that makeup Eleanor was talking about or conditioner and shampoo, like being fresh and beautiful and, and refreshed and smelling great. He anoints my head with oil to the point where I, my cup overflows. So in all of this, there's such abundance. There's abundance. It's not even like just enough. He just keeps going. It's like, okay, oh, God, oh, oh, I've got too much. What am I going to do with it all? Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy is chasing me down. He is going to, they are coming behind me. I get this image of them like, here they come, more goodness, more good stuff, more love, more mercy for me. It's chasing me down. That's how good God is. I don't even have to chase it sometimes. They chase me. He is so eager to bless me, his child. 
because he's my shepherd and my future is secure. I know it and I look forward to my eternal living with him in heaven forever. So church, the Lord is my shepherd and I pray with all my heart that he is your shepherd and that you know how good he is and that you are able to delight in the goodness that he has for you. Don't be sitting in a corner miserable and complaining and thinking that life is tough or hard or difficult. You have a shepherd who is providing you with abundance. We just have to be sure to engage in that relationship, to engage in that closeness, sometimes just to spend time with him, not wander off all the time, but be with him so that we can experience that blessing. We can experience that cup overflowing. We can taste. Imagine if you had that table and you're like, I'm too busy. going. I haven't got time. I haven't got time. All right. Nice table, but whoa, look what's on Netflix. Are you kidding me? Crazy. Let's make sure that we are feasting with the real feast that God has prepared for us because he is a good shepherd and I want us all to be good sheep and enjoy the abundance of his table, of his house, of his goodness. Praise God. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being our shepherd and I pray that you would just... Bless every one of us here today with those words and that we would be sure to follow you with all our hearts. Hallelujah. And I just encourage you today, if you feel that the Lord is not your shepherd, perhaps he's never been or perhaps you've just wandered off a little, why don't you just say those words, Lord, you are my shepherd. I'm coming back to you. Let me be your sheep to know you and follow you. Why don't you just say that in your heart to God and come close. Amen. Bless God. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.